You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies Patreon episode. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're sitting down with former guest whose Halloween is her first true love and it's my true love. We instantly bonded. We were able to sit down and speak with her and learn a little bit about her history and art history background. But as the show has progressed, I have realized that I don't know a lot about it. So we wanted to have her back to do a rundown of art history for dummies. Today we have Laura Lee, the Halloween collector, writer. She is a curator of her own Halloween Hill studio, and we are thrilled to sit down with her today. And Toby is taking his dinner in the basement today. (laughs) It's just Laura Lee. Hey guys, I'm so glad to be here. We are beyond stoked to have you today. We just spent the last 30 minutes catching up. Yes, talking about everything exciting going on. On various, I think, insurance codes them as acts of God (laughs) over the last several months. So thank you, one, for being, you know, on our show the first time. And then now sitting down with us again to guide me, the art newbie. Through all of this, because it's, it's one of those things I talk about it on the show of like, I know a little bit about a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to art, like I will be watching something and I, like somebody will be describing a technique or the type of paint used or this or that. And my brain literally just goes like, we, we don't have a file on this. We don't have. <laughs> it just shuts down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things where like you can't. I could Google it, but it wouldn't make sense to me if I did. So I was talking to Jill and we wanted to have an art specific episode. And I was like, let's get Laura Lee. Yeah. She's like legit. The only person we're like, let's do it. Let's get her. I'm glad to be here, guys. I always love coming on with you. Thank you. Thank you. So to jog our listeners brains, remind us of your art background, if you would, please. Sure. So I started painting when I was seven. Um, my grandmother didn't know what to do with me over the summer, so she enrolled me in some painting classes. And so I just would go in the summer and do that. And so I loved that. And then I got into it in high school, and then I majored in art in college. And so I've been doing painting for 20 years. Um, I've worked as a curator for a major Texas museum. Um, I've been in, like, art advisory um, type positions. And now I'm sort of focused on doing, like, Halloween art. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot of things with my studio um, called Halloween Hill Studio. So I'm doing like jack-o'-lanterns and ghosts and just sort of fun, whimsical Halloween things. And also still doing fine art, which is more um, symbolist art. So it's like symbolist portraiture. So people and animals and, you know, you know, planets and different types of things. Um, And so I'm sort of working on those now. Which is just awesome. Like, I love that your background is so deep into it. And then your art is very much like discernible. You can look at it. And I, if I see something on my Instagram, before I realize you've posted it or something, I know instantly that it's your work mm-hmm. when oh I see gosh, it. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's sure. so good. I can't wait to have some of this new Halloween stuff that you're working on in the office. Seriously. Yeah. I'll definitely send you guys some. Oh, yeah. I know. I really like, I'll sit there and I'll just watch you paint. I'm like, this is just so soothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is relaxing. I think it is, it is something good to do during quarantine. Yeah. Especially in the time now, because it's like something you can just turn on a podcast, of y'all's podcast, just listen to that, <laughs> and then just, you know, work on something, like make a ghost. And a lot of it is stuff I make up, or it's um, like, you know, a stock image of a pumpkin, and I copy it, and then just make up the background. Yeah. You can sort of zone out. Well, and you said something to me that really changed my perspective of even looking at art, which was like, because you had just finished your Headless Horseman mural in your dining room. Yeah. And I was like, how do you even start to begin that? And you talked about the foreground and the background and shapes Mm -hmm. and all of that. And that really, like, it was a spark that just shifted the way my brain was perceiving art. And I have to tell you, the build we've had with guests that we've had on and, like, moving through the different 
stages of movements of art from like the pre-Raphaelites to Art Nouveau to Art Deco to the Surrealist movement and all of that, like having that stuff start to make sense was so cool. And like, I'm listening to a book right now called The Doll Factory. And it's a great book, by the way. And it's set during the time that the pre-Raphaelites were forming. Oh. And they said, because they were like, well, this guy is a part of this new movement called the pre-Raphaelites. And it's a group made of artists, like they're characters in the book. Uh And my brain was like, we know this. (laughs) (laughs) We heard this before. But I want to back up and I want to back up to, let's start with types of art as in mediums first okay um because my first thing that comes to my brain is like what is gouache 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 goulash yes it's called gouache it's an opaque watercolor so when wow yes okay thanks so um we'll start with watercolor so watercolor um you know it's just water soluble you mix it with water and it's very sheer and very light very transparent and so when you're working in watercolor, the technique is whatever is the lightest, you know, highlight, like my face here is a white highlight. You want to leave this as white paper. And so it's the, it's back, it's working backwards. So in oil, you start with the darkest color and layer onto the light. And with watercolor, it's the opposite. You have to leave the light and add the darks. Uh-huh. And so you can layer and layer, but you have to be careful with watercolor because it can get muddy. Mm-hmm. And sort of in muddy mean by meaning like you know, the colors can turn sort of a muddy sort of brown color instead of like a vibrant blue or a vibrant green. Like they can mix together, you know, as, as colors will mix and change color. So gouache is awesome because it's opaque. It can go over. So you can paint in a watercolor medium in an oil type of way. Well, we. So when I went to, I, I studied abroad in France in 2001. Yeah. Like, oh my God, is that? 20 years ago. That's disturbing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went, to, I went to France and we had to work in a watercolor medium and I am so God awful at watercolor. If you saw me do watercolor, you'd be like, have you ever had an art class? Like you're <laughs> terrible. It's just my mind works in like oil layers, like doing dark person up to light. And so I just, I can't ever get it. And like the technique we learned was to just paint without doing any drawing first. And I'm just like, my mind can't, like when you said, I don't have it. I don't have the thought for that. Like uh-huh. I just, I just don't. So my, my teacher's like, well, you can just use wash. And so I spent the entire semester in France just painting with gouache and layering it on like I would like an oil painting. And it was, it was, it still has watercolor quality, but it has layers to it. Whoa. I'm going to have to try that because I love watercolors, but I'm too, am horrible at it. (laughs) It's it's hard. It's hard to learn. And people that do amazing watercolors always blow my mind. Same, same. Like I will watch them. I'm like, how, how do you do that? Because if I do that, that is not what it looks like. But I do like portraits in watercolor. I'm like, I do oil portraits and I have no idea. <laughs> See, and that, I, that is where I'm most comfortable. Like watercolor painting like is so calm to me like I have I, I'll see if my mom's here today and so I'm going to ask her to take a picture of I had like much like you Lorley I had this image come to my brain that I just had to like get out and it was this little yeah. ogre in a flower crown and she's just <laughs> sitting like and it's on it's literally like a two inch drawing but I like to paint in watercolor because similar to watercolor mixing hair color like semi-permanent pigment is very similar to like, if you mix too much of the wrong color, it's going to muddy and brown out. Yeah, exactly. So when I work with watercolor and like have the, the, it's like hair color to me. It's like, if I add more water to this pigment, I'm going to get a lighter pastel shade where if I keep it more concentrated and a little drier, I get this darker tone and applying it to paper is very similar to applying it to hair and like that blending that happens. That is so interesting. I've never heard that before. That is so cool. Where when I work in acrylics or anything else, I feel so like stuck in this like pigment box. Like I can't fuck up because I have. See, and that's where I'm like, ooh, if I mess up, I just <laughs> paint over it. this. <laughs> Tap that yeah. down and add some of that. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Keep working. Turns to a mess. Keep working at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add it to my list. My watercolors always turn into like ink blot stage. <laughs> I was like, I had a watercolor journal down here somewhere. I'll have to dig it out. So, yeah. okay. So we know, you know, what it's like to paint with acrylics. Everybody's painted with acrylics at some mm-hmm. point in their life, whether in school or at home or on a project. I but, feel it's probably easiest. 
Yeah. Mm. It's very, it's pretty forgiving. I mean, it's going to dry quickly so you can work over different areas a lot. You don't have to worry about like brush pressure oil. You have to worry about the pressure. Let's talk about that. Okay. Oh, okay. So I'll pull this up. I I guess, I guess y'all won't be able to see this on on the podcast. I'll Mm -hmm. send pictures. So um, what I'm doing layers, you see the thick layers of the impasto and the oil. Mm -hmm. They're all layered on top. So you start with the dark color and oil and you, um, so like your background, yeah, so you start with, like, this, like, dark sort of black color, uh-huh. and then you layer in sort of, like, the medium browns to, so like, the lighter... Um, this is a jack lantern, y'all. So, yeah. As you're describing it, it's revealing it. Like, my brain is picking through the layers. This yeah. is wild. Yeah, so that's good. So so it's dark, this dark black color first, right here, mm-hmm. dark black. Then it's, the, like, the lighter orange, and then you just get lighter and lighter and lighter, and the highlights are almost like a yellowy orange, but you have to layer it with a brush very, very lightly because you don't want to go through the layer because you don't want to scrape the paint off. Oh, well, because so I've heard it, of people working with oils and saying like it's, it's very forgiving because you can remove some of it. And now that makes sense. Oh, you can sense. just wipe it off. Oh, totally. Um, but like for this with oil to build up the impasto, you really have to worry about the, the brush pressure. Whereas acrylic, it's just like, just paint over it. It's fine. It won't, the paint won't come off if you're working with it. How long does it take an oil painting to dry? I use water soluble oil paint. So, cause I don't, cause I don't want to deal with mineral spirits. Like real oil paint can take like months to like a oh, year wow. to dry solidly. Like it depends on the color. Like white is generally the thing that takes the longest. Um, water soluble oil cleans up with water, soap and water. Um, it has the same consistency. Um, it's not as like, I guess, professional level, but I mean, that's sort of just in the holder. Uh-huh. Um, but I love it because it just dries a lot faster. So this can dry in like maybe a couple weeks. Wow. Um, it still has like the same colors. You can still get the same colors in water soluble oil, but you don't have the mineral spirits and the toxic waste to, um, to deal with. My brain is exploding right now. Jill sees my <laughs> so, face when it I, I like it. It's also not as stinky. So, cause it's, it's very oh. pungent and you probably shouldn't be smelling the fumes. Um, I mean. And a lot of the paint, like the cadmium paints, you probably shouldn't touch. <laughs> same could be said about my career too, honestly. I shouldn't probably stand directly over a color like bleach as it's making its first like my nose chemical reaction. What's going on? Yeah. So I guess it would be kind of safe to say that oil painting is also sculptural. As- it can be. Yes. It depends upon like your style. The more the thicker the paint, the more impasto, it can be very sculptural. And there are artists that just work in that completely, and it's like almost three D. Almost um, like Van yeah. Gogh worked kind of in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. You. What <laughs> you do know stuff. She's smart, everybody. <laughs> and then you have someone like Monet who's like in the middle. So he's not as as much texture, but there's still texture. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like Angra who's just like everything's blended. Everything's photorealistic. Wow. Okay. Hold I just need <laughs> my brain. So, okay. It's just, so what is the earliest for, like, what were the early forms of painting? Was it oil painting or like, obviously not primitive styling, but as we get into maybe say the 1600s, 15 and 1600s. I think primarily oil and watercolor. Yeah. Oil was more um, like you want to get your portrait painted by someone famous. I mean, so it would be in oil. Um, watercolor is more, I mean, I think of watercolor, I don't know the history of like, portrait painting in that time period um but i think watercolor is more i think more of like landscape yeah that would make sense well it was a lot more easier to travel with a watercolor set oh definitely and pigments you know or like pastels and charcoal and different stuff like that then it just dries like you don't have to worry about it because when oil paint gets on you it does not come off oh god and like real oil just there's nothing you can do to keep it off you like you just have to wear a smock because it's just gonna get on you oh shit so I can definitely see why that would be easier to not have to carry that. that sounds Stay like away, a- Sam. I know. Stay away. It sounds too messy for me. <laughs> too messy. That's definitely not something my toddler can participate in. Toddler no. oil painting's not going to take off anytime soon. No, no. There's probably a reason it never has. <laughs> no. And it's toxic. So Yes, yeah. there is that. There's too. that whole thing. <laughs> Minor details. I know. And um, yeah, what did I re- saw this meme the other day that said, um, sure, you can like feed your kids organic, you can breastfeed or bottle feed or do all these things, but your kid's still going to eat handfuls of dirt when they're two. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is true. 
So let's talk about some art movements and kind of take it back to where it starts and where it starts to move into a little bit because this also what we've discovered follows the trend of antiquities and vintage and retro along the same scale and so we have like the first kind of movements are what like renaissance and neoclassism yes like neoclassism so you're seeing a lot of things that are sort of based on roman sculpture um a lot of chiascaro so it's like um what is the artist's name anyway the Italians. The they Italian won't call Italians us. It's doing, fine. <laughs> you're doing Sistine Chapel, that type of style, um, which is sort of um, celebrating the beauty of the human form um, with sort of a reference to classical sculpture, classical Roman type things. Um, and that, I think, is gone for a while. So my focus on what I really studied is um, Impressionism and how that sort of started. And so... Um, up until, I guess, the 18, mid-1800s, um, you had sort of the blended out, as real as you can possibly get, sort of style. The classical style mm-hmm. was still sort of popular then. Um, and then you just have a lot of the French Impressionists breaking out of that. I think it's because they really, they, they were more into painting the landscape as it was in the element. And so not being in your studio, but being out in the field, like Monet is out in the field painting the clouds. Mm-hmm. So you have that energy that he put into his art, which was completely different than, you know, the classical pose, you know, here I am with my dog, like in a, with, you know, a background <laughs> sitting on a chair pose. And that was like the classical pose that you had until then. That was sort of the popular style. Right. So they really sort of started to break away from that. And none of them could get into the salon, which is like the big show in, in Paris because their work was too different. So like, you're not a real artist, like you're doing clouds. Like this is the energy in your work isn't, you know, not what it's supposed to be. And they're like, well, screw you. We're going to have our own show. We're going to do our own thing. And so they sort of broke out into their own group. And that's where you have that whole, um, I guess, sort of breaking away from the stoic sort of, this is how art should be. This is to art is about soul and expression and capturing reality and beauty and light and that type of thing. Would this be the pre-Raphaelites and like before? That's what, this would be like the Impressionists okay. breaking away from the pre-Raphaelite sort of style. Okay, so okay, have, okay. The Sistine Chapel and Monet, which are very different styles, yeah. right? Um, and so that was sort of interesting to see because we also studied how that related to American artists and how American artists were inspired by the Impressionists. And, and then you get to Picasso, who was a child genius. He could paint, like, you know, the Sistine Chapel when he was, like, 10. Wow. Yeah, you need to look up Picasso's realism. He was a child prodigy. He, I mean, I don't personally like cubism i'm not a fan of that style but Mm -hmm. he was a genius so he is the one who broke away from that and was like i'm gonna do something you've never seen before and he was a genius so this was like that was like the the first person who's really embraced modernism you have Cezanne, who sort of is leaning modern in his impressionism like it's more based on shapes Mm -hmm. but picasso is the first one to be like this is crazy like this is something completely new and i guess like in my brain the two because they are so different, didn't exist at like the same time. So now to hear that, like they were happening simultaneously, people were probably losing their fucking minds. Yeah. So Monet started in like the 1860s, I think. And he was through like the 1920 maybe. And then, and then Picasso was 19 early 1900s. And like, so they overlap. Yeah. And then he took it into the 20th century. How interesting to see. And then you have all the other stuff that's happening in the world at that time. You have the beginnings and ekings of an industrial revolution. You have all the pomp and circumstance of Victorian England. You still have stuff that's happening in Asia and Asian empires. And how there's just this giant melting pot of art. And then we're coming to kind of a head. And then you can see how all of that was adapted by people. So like Whistler... Whistler's mother, that famous painting with his, you know, mother that's a profile. It's very, so, so Asian art is very based on shape and flat shape and not on three-dimensional form. And Whistler borrowed that for his style. So when you look at that, it's just like his mother, a flat shape and a flat like painting behind her. Um, It's very interesting to see how they're influenced by, you know, all this new artwork that they're seeing and how they sort of incorporate it into their style. This is like, (laughs) your brain is just like, (laughs) <laughs> well, I just, I love, 
I love creatives, first of all, and I love how creative brains work and operate and build upon each other, whether it's cognizant or not. You know, yeah. they say like your dreams are built from imagery around you, but that you're not really remembering. And um, we were talking to Kate from Roses and Rue, and she was the one that introduced me to like the pre-Raphaelites. And the after we spoke about that art with her, and then I looked at it and like saw something in an antique store that's like from that era. Oh, yeah. And like seeing the depth in those paintings and even just like, I'm not a very religious person, but like their depiction of Christ and Mary and Joseph versus what was happening at the time was pretty badass. Like, yeah, to, to turn the art world on its head every time something is happening. And I don't know that they're probably, they're maybe aware of it because artists are also a little pompous, some artists. <laughs> so they're probably a little aware of the influence they're having. I think artists think that we're like the God's gift or we have no talent. It like it's one of the like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like I'm painting this. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever painted, and then you're like, I have no talent. So yes. it like it's sort of you know goes back and forth. Yeah, it's unless just, you have like a you know issue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, and I it's the same for hairdressers. Like hairdressers, <laughs> either like you'll have a great day, and you're like, yes, I am the best at my job, and then you'll have like one haircut go sideways, and you're like, that's it. I'm packing up my shears, never doing this again. <laughs> the same with nursing. I've never like, I've been be, allowed to hold them. Yeah. No. I'll be, a, yeah. I'll be on a street getting everybody's IV, no matter how hard you are. I got it. <laughs> and then that one, and then it's like every other one. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't. Your vein is huge. But for some <laughs> reason, I cannot get this IV to start. Uh -huh. So I'm an idiot. I will get somebody who's better than me. <laughs> I'll be back with somebody else. I know. And then they'll be like, oh, here's Jill. She's the best. And I'm like, stop it. Don't, do that. <laughs> like, Don't. Yeah. Don't set me up for this. So soon, <laughs> as I'm shaking. Yeah, I can. I can get it. <laughs> Be right there. Hold so on. I'm glad to know that everyone feels that way, and it's not just like, you know, yeah. artists. I think people. that generally, when you really love what you do and you're passionate about it, or it's kind of a cornerstone of your personality, really, yeah. that you take everything so personally, and then like you're just like, well, like stuff with the show is the same way. Like we'll have something yeah. happen and Jill and I are like, yeah. And we're like power pumping and like, meow, 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 like so happy about it. And then we'll do another, something will happen. And we're like, Oh, why do we do this? We should quit. It's not too early to delete everything. <laughs> we have no talent. Yeah. Get rid of it now. Well, I think especially for artists, they, it's either one or the other because they want somebody else to appreciate it. Do you like? Yeah. It's like when you're showing your picture to your mom, you're uh -huh. like, you can tell if she really likes that picture or she really doesn't. If you get the, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Which never really goes away in the art world either. But no. you're still like the kid at the pool doing a cannonball. I mean, like, mom, look, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you jump in and you're like, great. Good job, honey. You know, oh, I think sure. we're all still the kid doing the cannonball in some aspect Forever. of whatever creative thing we're doing. <laughs> that is such it a It was ridiculous. Well, and that's, I think I asked you this too, when we had you on last time of like, what makes art art? Is it all just objective? Is it, is there some like art Oz out there that's like pulling the curtain and dinging something to be like, this is art. <laughs> this is not art. <laughs> this is art. I think anything can be art. And that's what's so cool to see how, like, you know, like the cost of breaking away from the tradition, like it's like anything can be art. And now people can put like, this pen on the floor in the middle of a gallery and be like, this is about the, you know, diaspora of the Southern blah, 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 mm -hmm. make up some you know, stuff, put it on the floor and be like, that's my art. And then people will stare at it and be like, wow, incredible. Like, oh. I feel like the guy who taped a banana to the wall. Remember like, yes. Was like, he taped like a banana to a wall and said it was his art. And then someone ate it or something. Yeah. Yes. Or, or like somebody like just like left their sunglasses on a bench in an exhibit. And they were like, Oh, and they're like, oh, oh, that's where I left him. <laughs> I don't tend to like really understand that type of art, like conceptual, like art, like the pen on the floor, or the banana. That doesn't really resonate with me as much. What about y'all? Do you think, do you think that's art or do you think it's just BS? 
I think that if it hits a something in like a something inside of me, it really strikes a chord. I could appreciate it, but then I also just think of some fucking dweeb I went to school with that thought that they were just like the shit. Well, and then now I start thinking, I'm like, well, shit, I can do this. Yeah, I'll yeah. throw, I'll throw like some That's crap on the floor and then make up some pretty words and uh, be like, that is my art. What, the next time my house is a shit show and you come over. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go, this is my current exhibition on the modern days of motherhood. (laughs) You should photograph it. You should. You're on to something. Do a whole series. Yeah. You could. I've always had um, too dramatic of a brain, so don't encourage it. Like, it's always been. Oh, I know, Sam. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's too much forever. (laughs) But I love that people try. Yes. I love that. That's well, and this is the thing I love about art too, is even with between you and I, Jill, we have very different tastes in art and fine art. Mm. But that's what I love about art in general is that there's this for somebody. It's for oh, somebody. Yeah. Always. Like you could like and it, like I think also being on Instagram, you can find like I like to paint pictures of feet. So do I. Like there's always gonna be some person who likes the weirdo thing that you're doing. And there's something so comforting in that too of seeing like if you're if you don't feel like you're a great realist artist or you don't feel like conceptually you have a grasp on it, there's something for you in the abstract world. Like Oh yeah. You're oh, gonna totally. fall in with something wh- whether you realize it or not. And that was just after starting the show and kind of having different artists on and my algorithm changing and being like, oh, and seeing different types of art and being like, oh, I kind of draw like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Melissa Daw, I'm she is so talented artistically in oh what she can draw hell. up to transfer onto leather. <laughs> Ooh. And like carving on leather. And I was yeah. asking her, I was like, have you just drawn your whole life? And she was like, No, I started drawing like five years ago. Yeah. I still have hope. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought. It's just practice. It's practice. It just takes like, practice. I'm not garbage. I know. Every time I watch you paint on Instagram, I'm like do it i'm gonna get my paints out and then i'm like where are my paints <laughs> and i'm like ooh, i think i threw them away time to get new paints operation Aww. get jill paints <laughs> yeah get some new paints busted out so let's talk about i um one of my very dear friends carrie darrington had some friends while she lived in la and one of her friends was an artist and is an artist but primarily an abstract right and he painted this great big canvas for her for her house and I remember her dad saw it and could pick it apart as to what it was and to me I just look at it and I'm like it's just this like is there a way to decipher what the meaning is behind abstract art or does it have to be written in a little placard below it for me to get it for abstract art I think it has to be written in a placard I mean if it's just colors like how are you supposed to understand a concept like if it's just like a you know blue and purple like like it looks blue and purple so if you, yeah, I think it's helpful to have a placard. Okay. I'm glad no. my brain is. I mean, unless it's like abstracted peasant. with like images, like a blob with a cow and then like, you know, some, oh, this something is after that, animal farm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they're trying to like convey their message with that. Um, I don't know. So let's talk about curating for something. Mm-hmm. What is that world like? It is a really fun, like, Um, So I didn't go to school for curating. I randomly ended up as the curator of a private collection because I was hired for the summer to um, organize the art storage room and then the curator left. And so she's like, hey, do you want to be the curator of the storage collection, which is now the Bryan Museum? And I'm like, okay, like I don't have any curator background. Um, So I sort of learned it as I went, but it was really interesting. That's a huge collection of over 70,000 pieces of Texas art. So it's like, remember it's like letters from Stephen F. Austin, like real signed by Sam Houston, like signed by Mr. Brian, JP Brian, who owns the collection and owns the museum is like a fifth, I think fifth or sixth generation Texan. He's descended from Sam Austin's sister. Jeez Louise. So that's sort of his focus. Like he has everything, he has oil paintings. He has um, everything you can think of that relates to Texas art and sort of, you know, historical documents in the collection. And so he also has guns and like, so he had, so of course he had like the offices and it was an oil company at the time where I worked then in downtown Houston and then we had um half of the, the office space was a gallery so like all of it was on display sort of like a formal art gallery oh wow 
And so what I would do, a lot of what I did, since it was already set up, as I would give guided tours of the collection, um, start with like an overview. And then I could sort of, as I got to know who I was with, I could zero in on what they're going to like. So this gentleman, he's going to like the guns. I'm going to show him this gun. Or this woman loves the Impressionist. I'm going to show him the Salinas paintings that has sort of an Impressionist quality. Um, so you could sort of, um, you got to talk to cool people. And then sort of zero in on what they liked and, you know, have them appreciate it. And then also I got to collaborate on some exhibitions. So I worked with the Houston Museum of Natural Science. They did a Texas exhibition. I think this was in like 2011, 2010. And so I was a contributing curator for that. And JP was the guest curator. So I got to go with them and sort of talk to them. It was really interesting to see how they put together a major museum exhibition. Wow. And so they would borrow pieces from all over Texas, from all different collections, um, they're like, yeah, we want this section of the museum to look like a ship or this section to look like this. And then they would fabricate it. And so I would be in meetings with these people talking about, well, for this part, we should build a replica of the Alamo. You know, oh. we'll just we'll just build this thing. <laughs> I'm like, what? We'll just build this, you know, put it up. And then you'll have, you know, the come and take it cannon, which is actually surprisingly small. I thought it was going to be huge. It's small. It's like a, like two feet long or something. Oh, Don't quote me that because I could be wrong, but it's, it's smaller than you'd think. But they had a replica of the Alamo facade. I think scaled down with this canon. And like, that was just so cool to see all the different people coming together, being like, this is what we should do. This is what I see my vision for. It's like, it's sort of like an, um, a walk through art piece in that regard. Wow. And so that was cool. So I did that. Um, and so it's also curating is also, you're packing up um, items of professional art handlers. So say for example, Mr. Brian was donating this piece for an exhibit we'd had, and it's an oil painting, we had it wrapped and created by professional art handlers. And they would come and take the piece. We'd ship it off to the museum. They're like, yes, we've, we've received it. It's coming, blah, blah, blah. It's been installed. So it's a lot of registrar type work. It's like paperwork, making sure everything's where it's supposed to be. Wow. Um, yeah. But it was really fun. We did a Frank Riggs of it too. And that was fun. He was an awesome like Texas art teacher. Um, he lived in like the latter part of the 19th century, early 20th century I think he died in like 45 46 um but he did a lot of Texas Longhorns and he only did pastel oh so and a lot of what he did he did some oil paintings that are harder to come by but JP has a huge collection of Frank Ray's art so we did an exhibition um of his art because I think one of his students donated like I think she donated some pieces to the collection and so we got to see his pastels and he would like crush the you know pigments himself and makes his own pastels to match the texas landscape like Whoa. and it was just it's really cool and then you got to sort of get into his brain so you learn about the artists and you learn how their brain worked and then you can also translate that into something that the public can appreciate as a curator whoa i feel like i would just stand there and just be like oh oh many times a day i was like this is i'm standing in front of this frank Wright oil painting and it was the original frame he built himself Wow. on the painting and because I think mean, he lived in like the Dallas area and he would like take his students like out in like the Texas countryside every summer and they'd get in their model T bus and like you know with the tires that are like three inches wide and they'd be like we're gonna paint the, the, the landscape with pastels like and it was just like so cool to like see these pieces that he painted on location and just like well and then, and then of course then you're seeing the documents and like the guns and like everything else that was in if y'all ever come to Texas, you should go to the Bryan Museum in Galveston. Yeah, you're going to have to come I with totally us. am because that's close yeah. to where my best friend lives. See, you can go oh, and perfect. you can go walk her through. Yes. So yes. The other thing I'm hearing too is it is it the only way to have a massive art collection is to be a 501c <laughs> and then to donate and to donate to it. Like it's a charitable game on the surface. Yes. Well, I think that you can amass an art collection if you want like a valuable art collection, probably. But if you just like want to have a cool art collection and you go thrifting, you can find like your zombie <laughs> Elvis behind you. Like yes. that's cool. Like that's a cool part of an art collection. So it just it really depends on what your aim is. Like I have a lot of art from a thrift store in my house. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to get like, you know, John Singer Sargent, then yeah. Yeah, then that I'm gonna yeah, have to find yeah. some have, have the funds for Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> I was gonna say, you're yeah, gonna have to marry up. Well, and it's yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Sorry, honey, but I need art. Well, and we, we went to it was like really the epitome of an artist's home in Salt Lake for my birthday. Melissa and I stumbled upon this estate sale that was in a three story. It was, I think, um, my friend Christina said, she's like, well, maybe it was a boarding house. Oh, I could see that. And that's what it, because it was definitely 18th, like the 1800s architecture. 
And so I'm like, it would have been a boarding house probably because it had rooms without bathrooms and without like full kitchens. And there was like common areas and stuff like that. But this woman had lived there for 50 plus years and she was an artist and she also worked for museums and she had like every room was filled with different different types of whatever she liked right but there was a room I wish I could have spent a lot more time in and it's because she had prints and also different types of ephemera of like event flyers and posters that weren't used that maybe she had a part in I don't know but I got some really great stuff you did cool. and it was every movement of art there was surrealism impressionism there was just like 60s and 70s like um, schoolhouse rock posters cool but it was I I, love that eclectic mix it's a fun mix of art to have sort of a smattering of everything that you love mixed together yeah I think that's that's what my art collection will eventually be we plan on doing down the stairs to the basement like a gallery wall of all this found art that I'm finding and it's definitely it's not going to make any sense until it's all up together because it's all very different I know that's what I'm right now that's what I'm doing I'm collecting stuff and my husband's like where are you putting this nothing is being hung and I'm like I know because it's not complete yet it's not done I have to wait <laughs> till I have all pieces mm-hmm. the vision is not done yet I know so let's talk about identifying art in the wild Like, because I feel like I go out and there's always, you know, the stacks and stacks of frames at the Goodwill, at Savers, the DI, you see them at, you know, religious thrift stores and all that stuff. But I always feel a little overwhelmed when I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't know what this is from. I don't know who, what I'm looking at. Yeah. And then you hear about the people that pick up a piece of art and then find out it's the original and it's worth like a million (laughs) dollars. And it's like, how? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you can basically start with what you're drawn to. So if you just see a piece that you like, you can start there. Be like, I like this piece. Um, I found, for example, two pieces at a thrift store. I'll show them to you, actually. Oh, yes. This is, I don't know if you can see this. It's sort of dark, but it's a, um, like a fall landscape. Wow, oh, that's gorgeous. beautiful. This is an 18 by 24 oil painting. And there were two of them at the thrift store. And I was like, that is beautiful. And I was like, okay, well, we, so the first thing you want to do is I knew it was oil. So you want to check for the quality of the work. Is it falling apart? And what's the condition? It's a nice condition. It's an oil painting. It's original oil. I could tell that. I could tell it was you know, varnished nicely. It was made in the 70s. There's a signed name and a date. You want to look for the name. And then you want to Google the name mm-hmm. and see if the name comes up. And I knew, because like the thrift store I went to, um, and Houston's one of like the upper end thrift stores that sort of thinks it's like an antique store and wants to sell you a piece of furniture from the 80s for $700, oh, you know? Yep. It's one of those where they Google everything mm-hmm. and they want to get, it's a charity shop. We call those like, the Voldemort thrift stores. Oh, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I knew since this was priced at $35 that it was, they could not find the name of the artist. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, it's pretty much a guarantee because like if they, if they can find it and there's um, a secondary market. So if there's um, like an auction record, that's what secondary market is for the artist. It makes their work more valuable. Okay. And so if there is auction record for it, it'll usually have a higher price at the thrift store. And so this one, I just loved it. It had no record. There's another one. I'll send you all the pictures of both of them. Please. Um, with the episode. And it has like a white church, like a white New England steeple. It's like this mountains and then this like road. And like, wow. they're both autumn scenes. They're both the same size, both signed by the same artist. And I was like, come home to mama. Like, you're mine. Like, I love you're like forever. trying not to be super giddy, but you are giddy. Uh-huh, like, and you're like, like looking nervously, making sure no one's looking at them. Right. Like, hurry and buy it before they're like, oh, wait a minute. We mismarked that. And yeah. there's, well, that always happens too when you're excited or they're like, this is the price. And they like look at the other person, like, who fucking priced this? Did you? Uh-huh. Yes. They're like, that was supposed to be $200. Like, and you're like, huh? it says to be five. So that's what but, I'm so telling I you think for. that, like, yeah. So I think you, you narrow down something you like and then look at the name, see if there's any anything online about it. And I think even if it's $35 and you love it, you should buy it. Yes, I agree sure. with that. I agree. Regardless of any value, these things were probably made by, you know, a grandma who was good at painting in the 70s. Like, they, who knows if they have value, but I love them. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, when you love a piece of art, it has its own value. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So if you come across like an oil painting and it's like crumbly, is there any way you can save it or is it just like? Yes. Okay. It depends on the condition. Like if it's crumbling and like the whole thing, that might be a problem. But if it's just certain patches, you can take it to an art store 
Um, here in Houston, we have a, a bunch of different art stores and they specialize in different mediums. Um, I also worked with them when I was a curator. And so we had, um, what is the name of that person? He was a colonial portrait painter in New England. It wasn't Copley. It was the other one who painted George Washington. I'll Google it. Um, I'll, I'll think of it. But we had that one restored by an art restoration person. Um, it just had, it was dirty. It needed to be cleaned. It had some issues. So you can definitely stabilize and save a cool painting. Okay. But if it's totally dilapidated and rotting, it probably might not be worth it. Unless it's like a dollar. Gilbert Stewart? <laughs> yes, Gilbert Stewart. And I almost pooped my pants when I came into the art storage room and pulled that out. Because, like, he just had, like, racks of beautiful paintings. And I was like, wait. Like, I know it's not Copley. It has to be Gilbert Stewart. And it Whoa. was. And I was like, hi. And it wasn't, like, a recognizable piece. Like, it wasn't, like, George Washington. It was just, like, another piece by him. But it was really cool to see, like, that quality of a portrait in person. Well, and that, yeah. Because... Also, I mean, it's not a print. It's the real thing. Like he touched yeah. it. He worked on it. It was tangible to that, even that era. Well, yeah. And it's yeah, not like and it he had a photograph so he kept staring at either. Yeah. It was like. All from life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, it's, that's exciting to me when you see something that you recognize even. Like I was, we had just learned about Maxfield Parish. Well, I had just learned about Maxfield Parish. I'd never seen oh. it. Like I'd seen it, but I didn't know what the fuck it was. And then I went it's antiquing with my grandma and there's an antique store in Idaho Falls that has an entire gallery wall of Maxfield Parish. And oh. I was just like, what? <laughs> he is amazing. The way he would layer the glazes so it just glows <sighs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah he's one of my favorites mm -hmm. so it's amazing. one of that was the first time that i had like contemplated spending that kind of money on art and like understood <laughs> it like understood why somebody was paying that much for a picture to put it yeah. commonly yeah well even if it's like an unnamed portrait that has been painted it's really hard for me to walk away from yeah. one just because mm -hmm. I know somebody put the time, the effort, mm -hmm. the imagination behind it. And then my husband comes up behind me. He's like, we're not buying that. Like, <laughs> oh, it's like I bought the wall of pencil portraits out of that guy's house. Yeah, exactly. I'll have to send you some. You would appreciate Ooh, them. Yeah, let me see that. I found this. There was a styrofoam setup, and this guy would sit in church and on the programs that were typed on a typewriter would draw rough pencil portraits of people sitting in the congregation. Oh, cool. And so there's all different types of characters. And there were some that were like grouped together in weird ways. Like maybe they were siblings or it was like iterations of the same person that he had drawn at different times. And there was like, be like visiting oh, cool. preachers. They had the big like Janet Jackson microphone <laughs> headsets. <laughs> but I was like, I can't, I can't leave those just to go to the trash. Yeah, because yeah. you know that that's exactly where they would go. Yeah. And I bought all of them for 50 bucks. I feel like yeah. that's pretty that's good. Awesome. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Really There's like a hundred of them. Yeah. I did actually go back for the painting that I saw at an estate sale and it was gone. So I was like, okay, Aww. hopefully it went to a good home. Right. Because I didn't want it to end up in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of estate stuff does end up in the garbage, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially when, like, I was, um, I recently got into, like, looking at, like, high bid and things like that for stuff. And I'll be, like, scrolling through. And I love when it's an auction house that doesn't really know what they have. And, like, I saw one today that it was a curling iron. Oh, yeah. And it said, some sort of tool? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> oh, I love this one. And I was like, yes, please, some sort of tool. It's a good sight. I'll take that tool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what is, this is a, like a little bit of a hot topic. Like what are some of your, like, what do you think is overrated in the art world personally? Well, the banana tape to the wall, I think is a little overrated. Um, it's sort of hard to pick because my taste is a specific taste. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm a symbolist painter. I paint in realism. And so when I'm seeing a banana on the wall, I'm like, this is just a, you know, a bunch of bull because anyone can take a banana. Like you were saying, Jill, anyone can, I can do this, like yeah. put it on the wall. Um, I've never really been into conceptual art of any kind. Like when people just get a bunch of dirt and put it in a gallery on the floor and that stuff, I don't understand mm -hmm. that, that stuff. You really have to understand the concept. I feel like that's a little overrated personally, just because I'm very much a visual painting person i'm a painter i'm not mm -hmm. like yes and you want to sit in front of the art and look at it all yeah yes and, and when i see a painting i'm like i know how this was painted i know what this is i know i could do this like i know 
I know how they glaze this section. I can see how that meaning's there with this bird or whatever it is. Yeah. So I feel like that's sort of where I lean versus the strange bananas. Yeah, I will agree with that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't understand his hate banana. <laughs> no, I don't. And the, the one thing I struggle with is like, um, and like some of it's okay, but like I have a hard time with anything in my life having the same thing as somebody else. And so like, it's yeah. really hard for me to buy canvases from like um, Bed Bath & Beyond and mm-hmm. TJ Maxx mm-hmm. and like places like that or like the fucking Longhorn or the, the uh, Scotland the scottish oh, bowl yeah that everybody has in their the bedrooms hair. the highlander the scottish yeah. highland yeah yeah i finally saw it at target and i was like oh this is where you're from you are very very popular i see you art licensing fun they find trends i've done art licensing it's like it's fun but it's not like very lucrative for money making but like i've had art in at home i've had art in you know marshall's mm-hmm. had art in pd max like Sorry. it's exciting but it's also a different type of person it's not you guys who are collecting originals who are artists who have this eye it's this sort of the general public who mm-hmm. don't understand anything they're like i like that scottish highland thing i'm gonna put that on my bed this over my bed cute. you know yeah they do cute. they put it above their bed i don't want a cow above my bed why above your bed i don't like and i actually painted it... a cow that's pretty uh, yeah cows were trending for a while cows are popular cows, cows are and roosters always, yes chicken my cow looks like a my little pony Oh, yes see that's how they should it was look. sort of strange i'll send you a picture of that as well um <laughs> yeah because yeah. that's giant what... my little pony cow in color <laughs> i love him already <laughs> love him so much i know well it's like i can't really speak because i have like some art up here like i have a cat that has rollers in her hair it's a postcard and then oh, i have well. like a uh it's a, a vic- gorilla yeah it's a victorian seated woman with like her arm on a table but the head is a gorilla head Instead oh, of the person's head. I have never noticed that picture mm-hmm. before. <laughs> yeah. And then I have below, I'll post a picture of these. I was sitting with one of my friends from high school at a bar in Portland and I had my bar receipt and he was like a constant doodler. Like he was so <laughs> fucking talented. He would draw and doodle on anything. If it sat still long enough, he'd fucking draw on it. So I have this receipt that says something about, but it's like a Ram, but he just drew it as in the dark sitting in a bar. I do that. That's what I do. If I have to sit, like, especially if I have to sit in a meeting or something. Oh, yeah. I'm just, like, doodling. Doodle. And I'm just like, whatever, can we be done? And then I, like, get ready to throw my paper away. And one of my friends will be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm throwing it away. No, you're not. I'm like, <laughs> keep it. You can have it. I've got a yeah. bunch of, like, and that, yeah, I'm a doodler for sure. I'm a doodler. That's where I oh, used to, you know, the top of a Kleenex box, the oval? Yes. I would flip it over <laughs> and do, like, cameos. Ooh. Oh, I love So that. I would just, and I would, because it was when I worked at a retirement home and I'd be bored as fuck. So I'd be sitting and I'd just work in a black gel pen <laughs> and I would do like, I'd do like skeletons or I'd like, and I would love making the silhouette details pop out like the buttons down the back of a dress mm. or the curls oh, in a so hair. Cool. That was really fun to do. Or I'd draw in my coffee cup. Yeah. Uh, my son, he is falling in my footsteps because he drew a Pokemon for one of his cousins. Oh. And he's like, look, mom. And I was just like, uh, did you draw this or did you trace it? He's like, no, I drew it. And I was just like, I'm so proud. Holy shit. <laughs> so proud. I'm like, that is so awesome. And then I'm like, yes, stay with the art. Art's cool. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. And like, yeah, it's so fun to watch him because he, he works like I do. Like in little bits, he'll start in one and then he'll come back down and then he'll go back up and then he'll come back down. Oh, wow. Like, oh, Aww. look at my baby. <laughs> oh, it's no. also making art joyful. Like, yeah, it's just and like the art you, that y'all have in your house is joyful. Like it brings like like the receipt with the drawing on it. It's like a fun memory. And that's the art that we should have. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Well, and it's like I remember the first time. I like saw art and started to take it a little more seriously. And it was pinup art for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first thing, like my uncle introduced it to me. He's like, I think you'd really like this. And he showed me world war two bombers. And then it was like, that was my obsession for like a decade. And like, I have, you can't see it out of frame Laura, but they're up here as an Alberto Vargas, like table oh, coffee cool. table book. And I have like on my right arm, I have um, a painting by Zoe Mozart. I have, Oh, I should, do I have a tank top on? I can probably show you. Um, I have a portrait of, I, it, I didn't get the portrait because of the person that it is. 
it's like Eve Harlow or Greta Garbo or something like that. It's one of them. But that's not why I got it. I got it because it was done by a female pinup artist during a time that that was like not okay. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. Their tattoo artist is unbelievable. Thank you. That is also how we collect art is by tattoos. Yes. See, I want to get tattoos, but like I'm so indecisive. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like if I got something, I'd be like, why did I do that? And then I'm like always going to be critical of who's tattooing me. Yes. Yes, I right because you're like I could draw better than it's like it's like if it's not like someone who's like you hand pick or like I could do this better and now it's permanent and like mm-hmm. and yeah. then what if I get sick of a flower on my arm and then I don't do anything so I don't have any tattoos. Oh, speaking to the like the regretting a tattoo or thinking like oh my tastes are going to change that definitely like the regretting aspect can happen but probably won't. Ooh. I have been getting tattooed since I was eighteen. I'm trying to think. I think my first tattoo was 18. I did mm-hmm. have one regret. My mom and I got um, butterfly tattoos together. It was her f- first mm-hmm. tattoo. It was my, my second. And we went in and after I couldn't see it because he was doing it on my shoulder. And my mom's like, oh, my gosh, it's so pretty. It looked like a prison tat. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so that one got covered quickly as soon as I found. So I have a tattoo artist that she's the only one I go to now. Yeah, like she's I can't incredible. go to anybody else because she's amazing. Oh, good. And she's done both my sleeves and she's going to do a calf piece next mm-hmm. year. Oh, fun. Yeah. But yeah, some tattoos can be covered. <laughs> yeah. But there's also like, I like looking through, like I've been getting tattooed since I was 18. There's one that I regret and it's because I went to somebody on a whim and didn't get something I wanted. So like the oh, whole experience yeah. was bad. Yeah. So when my husband and I were dating to this day, I really wish I did let him go ahead and do this. I stopped him <laughs> because I was like, you don't want to do this because we lived in Pocatello at the time we were going to school. And uh, some friends of ours, we, we had this one girl, she got the typical, you know, tribal against the lower back and mm-hmm. like teal and purple. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, that's gonna. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> my husband, he was like, I'm going to get a tattoo. And I was like, oh, sweet. What are you going to get? And he's like, I'm going to get Tupac on my chest. Knowing him now. <laughs> the sweet he's like the sweetest man ever, but he is like, you know, he's my <laughs> I don't know. I just he's I'm a like, little, he's, little gangster. Yeah, he's no, not even a little not gangster. Even, no. He's like a button up collared man, but then he secretly loves rap and um I love like that. the drug cartel shows. Oh yeah. And the motors. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's so violent outside of work. And stuff. He's the human equivalent of seasoning salt. Yes, so a lot of stuff put into yes. one. Yes, and but the the bottle is very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top shelf se- so Trader I told, Joe's I just seasoning looked salt. Him, I was just like, no, no, I don't, I don't think you should do that. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I just, I feel like you should sit on it yeah. for a little bit. I was like, because that's gonna be on you forever. I mean, a portrait is a big commitment. Yeah, and I was like, do we even know if this person can do a portrait? Yeah. Yes. Also, pop culture references and names are always iffy. Yeah, and that's the other thing mm-hmm. I told him. I was like, you know, uh, but every once in a while, he's like, I should have gotten it. I'm like, you can get it now. Yeah, do it. I was like, I yeah. next a, time I see him. I was like, I have a very good tattoo artist who's very good at portraits. Tupac she could do it. Is. Get it done. I'll, just get a, I'll get a Twilight sleeve. Please you know? do. You should. Edward right here. Yes. I mean, you have to get something Halloween related. You could be, you could be fine getting. She have like a cute little bat, yeah, or like that little jack little J O L, little paper yeah. J O L with all the yes. texture. We'll find you one. We'll go with you. We'll you could do you like hand. a cute little ghost on your wrist. Yeah, that would be cute. Yeah, and I also feel like it's not like you know on your neck or something like. Yeah. If you didn't want it to show, you'd be fine. I always tell people, like, I have visible tattoos, and I recently got, like, my most visible, which was, like, my full sleeve, and same with Jill. And I always tell people it does not matter what type of person you are. People will see your tattoos first if they're showing. Mm -hmm. People will not give a shit no matter where you live. Like, there's some places you can get away with it, but especially where we live and where you live, like, if you have a visible tattoo, people are going to see it first and take you at that mm-hmm. before and then i don't even realize like i have some clients like i have um i do that he owns the spider's web here in town and i've done his hair for over a decade right and i see him and i'm like oh hey leon what's going on and we sit down and we talk about kids and life right. and yeah he has goats and ducks and all this stuff right so we talk about 
Yeah. He, and he loves his goats and his oh, geese <laughs> and his chickens. And yeah. So we talk about that stuff. And then somebody will like, he'll be leaving and another guest in the salon will go, wow, he sure has a lot of insert tattoos, mm-hmm. piercings, things like that. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Or like, I will take my jacket off or I will put a swimsuit on <laughs> and forget how heavily tattooed I am. Yes. And I'll make a comment and be like, well, I guess I do have a lot of tattoos. And my tattoo artist goes, yeah, you would be considered heavily tattooed. And I was like, this is true. Yeah, I yeah, it's the same for me because where I work, it's usually cold, so I usually have my light jacket on, and then mm-hmm. it'll get hot once we're going, and I'll take it off, and they'll be like, "Oh, oh," <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, yes, yes, I am tattooed, very much, very much tattooed." And then Do you get the question of, "Did you get something new?" Do you get that question? I get that question no. all every summer. Did you get some new work done? No, I have not. No, I because mine are black and white. And so I always get, are you going to get them colored? Oh, what is that question? Are you going to color them in? Yeah. yeah all the time. So when you want to get your first tattoo, we'll book you a flight. Yes. We oh, have good. somewhere to choose that. in the Intermountain West. We'll go. We'll bring snacks. We'll make sure you have a great yes. meal. Before. We'll have you come down during like either early summer or early fall because those are the best times of the year to be here. We'll take you on a fall color tour through Palisades. I miss fall colors. We'll set up our easels and paint. I love it. And then we'll write it off as a mothball trip. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We did it. It's like a post-pandemic thing we can dream about. Yes. Wouldn't that be so nice? Oh, that's so fun. We should really do that sometime. We should. It'd be so fun. We can also shop for like vintage stuff and yes paintings and whatever else we find mm-hmm. lurking yep. and hidden recess of some basement that needs to come home oh my god right just walk up to houses and be like hi that barn looks like it's full of shit can we look through it please <laughs> please please <laughs> if you could if you could go back and learn from any artist alive or dead who would you go back and learn from or watch paint monet Ugh. same I, I feel like some artists put their soul into a painting. Like when I went, they had a big exhibition of Impressionists. I think it was maybe in 2019. It was pre-pandemic. But um, so where I worked before, my boss was just so awesome. She was like, hey, just go to the museum and take some pictures for social media. (laughs) So I would just go the whole day and just go to the Fine Art Museum. So I saw this Impressionist exhibition and Monet's painting it's like every other painting was black and white and his was the only one in color. And it just like had this energy. And I'm just like, this is like a, like a religious experience. It, it was like this like picture of cliffs with like, like I think it was like the, the sea or foliage. It was stunning. Like it was just in his work. It just has that soul to it. I think the greatest masters have that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the exhibit um, you spent like all the time in so at the cool. Smithsonian? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I spent so all my, cool. I like, whizzed through the other ones and then I went to the impression and I was just there the whole time because I would just just sit there and like yes and you're right it has its own energy it just like vibrates it's like like nothing else and like all the other impressionists were there with him but his piece this is just brings like a calming soothing like Mm -hmm. everything's gonna Mm -hmm. be fine yeah yeah it's well the so the weird universal connection is when I worked for the company I worked for the head artistic director at the time took her color inspiration from Monet paintings. So when they would launch a collection, it would be based on painting. She would look at a Monet and go, and then she would, she would make the, the hair color, whatever with a Monet painting in mind. It was always her inspiration. Always. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Have you all been to his house? And I think it's Giverny. No, how to pronounce it, but. That's where he lived, like, in France. And so when I went on the abroad, I went to his house and toured it with the whole lily pond. And, like, it was ridiculous. Wow. It was so beautiful. Y'all need to go. That is That one Put is that on, on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. As soon as my kids are off to college, I told my husband, I was like, we're going to Europe. And we're going to all the places I want to go. <laughs> yes, yes, please. I would probably have sat down with a pinup artist at the time. Just because I would have liked to have sat and watched that work happen, even though it was realism and it was portraiture. Mm -hmm. Like, what were they adding stylistically? What were they, you know, because there's not, you can see some of it for some artists, you know, it's really like Alberto Vargas's work is very much documented head to toe. But like, what was, and what was it like for the models? I'm sure it was terrible for most of them, but. 
I would love to That'd see that and to watch somebody paint realism because my brain doesn't work that way. Paint like mm-hmm. creatively drawing, painting. Mm-hmm. It's very it's just refined. I think it's just refined layers. Yeah. So instead of like, um, depending on like uh, the pen apps are really realistic. So it's just smoothing out the paint layer, layer, layer to make it as real as possible. But that style is so cool. Also that time period is so cool. Like that would just be if you could go into the time period and hang out there. Yes, without the uh, the problematic shit. Yes, <laughs> I We've would had enough problems yeah. right now. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I we would don't love need more. just to feel like coming. I would love to start my time in that time right after the war ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. and like in different parts of the world to be like, cause there's so much invention and I, every it's, it's what's happening now. It's what's going to happen in right. the next yes. couple years yes. in the roaring twenties mm-hmm. is there's going to be imagination. There's going to be a fervor for life and experiences that was pretty much non-existent in 2019 oh, definitely. i think he's gonna have the creativeness too my son mm-hmm. he already shows different things of like he'll line things up by color and like have them all this way or when he draws something he only cool. uses certain shades yeah my daughter has some like she she's not more uh adventurous mm-hmm. like my son will just go for shit and just whatever happens happens but she's very like she's the, the either she's amazing or she's horrible <laughs> Like she'll like I'll find pictures. I'm like, babe, why'd you throw this away? She's like, it's horrible. Don't even. Why is that even still here? And I'm like, well, I think it looks really good. It's fine. She's like, no, just burn it. And I'm like, whoa, okay, calm down. Again, that is also like me. <laughs> just get rid of it. Throw it away, please. Yeah. And the next day, you're like, but it was good. Why did I care? Or I'll look at something from years ago that I've kept. And I'd be like, oh, like I found I was going through boxes the other day and I found my stuff from my hi- my only high school art class. And the art teacher we had, Mr. Wood, was the absolute best. Oh, awesome. He was just, he was so great. Really a formative teacher. And like, he helped me with like my broadcasting class where we had to make videos. He would like help me and like help me come up with the ideas. And there's one, there was one video, I wish I still had it, where he's like, okay, for this scene, he's like, you're going to smack me across the face. Because it was like, he was, we were getting back at a teacher for a bad test or something. Right. She's so like, you're, and I was like, I don't know if I can hit you. He's like, we got to do it. He was making YouTube content at the time. Oh, God. So you just gotta do it he's probably i would say maybe 30 (laughs) so he's like you gotta do it and so i like hit him and he's like it's not believable and like we had pushed him in a garbage can and like rolled him out of the like he was the best or he would we did like a monet day where he's like hey grab your stuff those that want to come outside get your pastels get whatever you want to work with we're gonna go outside and we're gonna paint the trees was right when they started to change or like the first time i worked in charcoal was in his class Mm mm-hmm I'll have to find it because I'm still proud of it. Like, I, Yeah, I found That's one awesome. of my sketchbooks. I never took any art classes. I was actually going to go to college for design. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, you don't want to do that. And I was like, I don't. They're like, no, you want to go into nursing. Nursing's the money. And I'm like, that was stupid. You're like, you're wrong. But then I found my sketchbook. I was like, you guys are liars. I'm amazing. See, this is where you have your, your, uh, your when your biography turns to you, but little did Jill know. I know. <laughs> At 41 years old, she had exactly. her stuff in her own gallery. I know. Curated I by Laura Lee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to continue this journey and have this little better understanding of art and the movement and also just the feelings behind it. And yeah, thank you so much for like yes, shedding some more light on this. I'm not an expert by any means, but I think the, the Texas art is really interesting and also just the impressionist movements were interesting because mm-hmm. it was so dramatically different than that was considered good art at the time. Yeah. It was sort of the precursor to modern art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, I'm excited to look at art now again, like to kind of start to see and be like, Oh, like now I can, now I have a little bit better of a pre Google start to identify (laughs) something (laughs) than I did before. Cause we didn't have, we had some stuff hanging up, but it was like kind of quintessential nineties art in my house. We didn't have any. And I'm excited to have some Halloween Hill Studio stuff here. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad, yes. guys. Thank you I for all your moral support. And Amen. I have, I think, five done so far. And I hope to do more 
just then I get on sidetracks. Like, I'm going to paint the moon for no reason. And I'm just like, spend a day <laughs> painting a round moon. Like, you really need to, you have a release coming. You need to, like, <laughs> you're like, I have got to get this. See the Halloween art. Oh, the moon is Halloween y. Yeah. You can make we'll it Halloween. Allow, I'll allow it. Yeah. Throw a bat on that bitch. <laughs> All day. <laughs> have a little witch on a broomstick mm-hmm. going. Right. Yeah. I, I think I might paint Toby on the moon or something. Please. Paint Toby totally. as the moon. <laughs> yes. Is the moon made of Toby's? Or a little cloud <laughs> covering the moon that's Toby. Oh, that would be cute. Or he's in a witch's basket <laughs> flying by. I love the way you're thing. It's a collab. We'll do a mothball Halloween <laughs> studio collab. We should. I love it. Thank you again so much. To find all of Laura Lee's art, we will have everything linked on the Patreon for you guys to check it out. Be sure to watch for her launch in May, and all of her work is fantastic. And if you need Halloween inspiration... That's the first place I go for decorating during that season. Yes. And it's also given me an excuse to do it out of season. It also gives me a reason to start. Yes. So thank oh, you. I'm glad. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so glad. And as always, we hope you find some good shit. And remember, look under those tables. Bye. See ya. Bye.